0: Welcome to the Abundant Leaders Podcast. I'm Tenji, your host, a certified executive coach and leadership developer with more than a decade of experience advising executives, managers, and companies on how to perform at their peak and find deeper alignment and fulfillment. My dream is for all of us to live in the truth and fullness of who we are so that we can have the biggest lives and most fulfilling careers that are possible for us. It is all possible for us together let us lead ourselves our people and our organizations with confidence courage and wisdom this is our time to heal and expand to thrive and to lead abundantly welcome to the first interview in the expert series this series brings you leadership experts in different disciplines who can help you bring your fullest self to the table in your leadership and your career. We cover topics related to personal mastery, professional performance, and personal development with skilled professionals you can reach out to after the episode to get the support you need. My first expert is Aida Achume Shiaka. She is a friend of mine, and I brought her into the podcast because I've experienced something very interesting within myself on this journey to finding more authenticity, to actually pressing in and saying, well, who am I as Tenji? What matters to me? And what kind of life do I want to lead? What kind of leader do I want to be? What kind of business do I want to create? What kind of relationships do I want to have versus do I think I need to have, be, and perform in, in order to be successful? I have noticed a big measurable shift in my mental calm, Um, mental clarity, lack of anxiety, the extent of depressiveness that I used to experience and I think feeling overwhelmed, feeling imposter syndrome, low confidence, stress has significantly diminished because what I now understand is that when we are not operating as ourselves, we create a huge amount of stress on our psyche and our mental space. And I wanted to have this conversation with an expert in the mental health and wellness space to see whether i'm onto something here what ensues in my conversation with ida is so much richer than that we end up speaking about ida's own personal experience losing herself when she was younger and really clawing her way back to a sense of self a sense of confidence in herself and not dimming her light in order to fit in and all the benefits that that has accrued for her in her career and in her personal life. She, she shares, you know, very tangible strategies that you can follow. And I really hope that if you listen in, A, you feel a bit less alone, like you're not the only person who is actually feeling like something is seriously wrong, um, but it's very hard for you to come back to who you once were, or maybe you've never even discovered that, and B, so that you can have a space where you can explore and hear how someone else has gone on a path to finding that sense of self. It's a bit of a long episode, but it's really worth it because it's such a rich, beautiful, and vulnerable conversation between close friends about some challenging topics. I'm going to let you know right now that there's a trigger warning, we do mention suicide. And so if this is triggering for you, then I would suggest you skip this episode and tune into a different one. All right, before we jump in, let me tell you about Ida. Ida Achumashiaka is a mental health consultant, coach and advocate who seeks to educate on and create awareness of mental health and mental wellness. She endeavors to normalize conversations about mental health through initiatives such as mental health workshops, boot camps, and corporate wellness days. She also coaches individuals who are in need of direction and guidance when their wellness is impeding on their progress in their lives. Ida's passion is centered around the wellness of African women and youth whom she addresses through university wellness events. She's currently pursuing her master's degree in social science, focusing on community mental health promotion. As a married mother of two beautiful girls she loves her family and enjoys the time she spends with them while also taking time to paint, exercise and read. Ida is also a business lady who manufactures a popular boutique chili called Ida's Chili. You can find that on Instagram. All right now let us dive into the conversation. Before we begin this episode, I'm excited to share the launch of Discover What Gives You Meaning, a 90-minute workshop that will help you to get to the heart of who you uniquely are and what matters most to you and what enables you to thrive so that you can use this information to create a career that's more fulfilling, in-purpose, and sustainable for you. Being your powerful, authentic Confident self is the key to attracting aligned career opportunities, building trust-based relationships and support networks and achieving high performance and lasting leadership impact. Many of us spend our early careers building skills, solving for financial security, working hard to fit into corporate culture, and sacrificing a lot to achieve our aspirations. But when we've achieved all of that, we find that something is missing, and we're not quite as fulfilled as we thought we'd be, or we're deeply burnt out. Discover what gives you meaning, helps you to return to the heart of who you are and translate this information into what it means for the type of career, company, role and way of working that is a good fit for who you are and the life you want to create for yourself. Then it gives you practical, immediate steps to bring yourself into more alignment with your truth. This is the path to abundance. If this is what you're looking for, visit tenjimoyana.com forward slash discover what gives you meaning or click the link in the show notes. Hi, Ida. Hey, Ken. <laughs> Welcome to the pod. Thank you so much. Thank you first for joining me. Um, you and I are so close mm-hmm. and it's an honor to me that you would lend your light to my podcast, to my audience. Because I don't take it lightly that um, you are choosing to come and share your expertise in this forum. Mm. With my beautiful audience members really trusting that what you have is really going to benefit everyone. Mm. So thank you for bringing your light and for bringing your energy, your wisdom and your expertise to the pot today. You
1: are welcome and thank you. I would reverse (laughs) everything you said to me right back at you. Thank you for having me. I'm very happy to be here. Such a pleasure.
0: All right, so... Let us jump in, um, Ida. I've already done a little bit of an intro to you Mm -hmm. and now I'd like the audience members to just get to know you (laughs) a little bit better on a personal friend. So I'm going to ask you three questions. Okay. First one, what is
1: your favorite series or movie that you've recently watched? (laughs) Okay. So very boring. I fall asleep in movies. And I really finished series, something that my husband actually finds very annoying about me. Even in a movie house, I will fall asleep. So, um, I can't tell you about movies because I, I even slept through The Woman King. I know, I'm sorry guys, I'm so sorry to disappoint, but I did. Yes, my face fell. <laughs> so I can't tell you about movies. I'm currently watching, for obvious reasons, a series called Hijack. On mm-hmm. Apple TV, and it's got Idris Elba That's oh. what I said for obvious reasons.
0: <laughs> I mean, can you just be Bond already? Thank you! <gasps> like, honestly,
1: I'm actually questioning his, his acting skills, but that doesn't really matter. So that's what I'm currently <laughs> watching. <laughs> Idris Elba if you ever listen to this we podcast, love you. Ida's views
0: do not represent the views <laughs> of the majority of the population of black women <laughs> in the world. <laughs> No, he's okay.
1: He's okay. He he knows my
0: heart. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's your favorite movie right now. Mm-hmm. Tell me how, like, what is your f- favorite personality trait? Something about you that you're like, you know what? I really enjoy moving in this aspect of who I am.
1: Okay. So I am an extrovert. I've denied it for very long, but now I can't because I am walking in my true self. And honestly, what I love most about myself is my vivacious personality i draw people in with conversation um i'm able to sense moods and energies and that allows me then to navigate so i would say yeah i just love my i've got i've got vibes i'm a vibe <laughs> i can definitely say for free you are 100 right, right? <laughs> and I, I love it i didn't always love it about myself really? but yeah and we'll talk more about that but I I absolutely love that aspect of my personality. Mm -hmm. The part that people used to say was too much.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Can we have a micro moment for being called too much? (sighs) And how much it makes us dim our light. Right. It is the greatest heartbreak I I felt um, that I did to myself Mm. was responding to people being unused to a person like me yes. by trying to make myself someone that they were used oh to my because how can you be used to me i'm new i'm a yeah. person I'm, I'm an
1: individual yes like right? meet me where i am this is who i am exactly but tangent even goes even further into like the families that were born into and you know you and i both love our families to death but yeah i dimmed myself in the family that i was born into and i feel like dim yourself at work dim yourself at work, but in the home that you are born into yeah. like your base. Yeah. But we'll talk more about well, that, you have honestly. to be most safe, right? Yeah. 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 Okay,
0: so th- we're going to put a pin in there and we're going to come back to it because already I was like, let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> And I have to remember, we're in the rapid fire. Yeah, let's, yeah. let's return to the audience yeah. getting to know you better. So thanks for sharing that. The last thing I want to ask you is, is there something that you are currently experimenting with Or trying in in any area of your life right now.
1: Yes, there is. I'm shy to say it just because I feel like anyone that knows me that listens to this will giggle. But (laughs) I have started playing golf. Golf? Yeah. You see, she knows me and she's giggling. Oh my gosh, you know, people don't take me seriously. But I'll tell you what. Mm -hmm. I have started... um, So I actually enrolled, did it properly, got clubs um, and enrolled for lessons... Um it's been challenging, challenging my mind, my body. Like I just feel like I'm too short for golf, and I know that's not true, but I as I'm playing I feel like are these what's going on? But yeah, I'm challenging myself um with golf for many reasons. One of which is that um golf is a mental game, as much as it is physical. Um you lose more than you win. So that's a good lesson for life. I fail badly, mm. I don't fail well. So, I think I've played maybe three games and I've, the only one went remotely well. So, it's really just humbling yourself and accepting that you're human and um, you won't always win. Yeah, so that's something that I'm trying out. My goodness. Like, Did I not tell you this? No. <laughs> We've been each other so for a, a while. It's a secret also because
0: I just, I'm shy as I said. Also because you're new, right? I'm so and new. And like, oh. Which means you're going to be pretty bad.
1: No. Right, the reality. <laughs> for for a minimum of five years,
0: I'll be bad.
1: Five years of sucking at something? I refuse it. <laughs> I refuse it. Come on.
0: You see, this is this is why you need golf. Because <laughs> you're like, no, I will not be bad. I will be brilliant from the jump. And then golf will be like, will you, hun? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, it's
1: actually... Golf is going to do something really good for me. Yeah. If I just stick with it, yeah.
0: It sounds like it. That yeah. is so cool. And there's something about golf as well that is very... I can imagine when you're not anxious about your swing when you're like walking between holes oh, it's quite soothing I mean golf courses are gorgeous, gorgeous. Oh, the green, oh, the little birds
1: chirping, the yeah, water. There's a lot of reflection that takes place there. Not only reflecting on your poor swing and all of that, but <laughs> actual reflecting on your own life. It's like a quiet time for you because golf course is also quite quiet. Mm. So you you really go into yourself, and then also the camaraderie, the people who you're with, and yeah. their bad shots and their good shots. Like all of that for me is just I'm really enjoying that. So it
0: sounds like it's an individual sport and a team sport all into one. Yes.
1: Which works best for me because I hate yeah. t-sports. Oh my goodness. Competitiveness. Right? Oh my goodness. It's too much. Don't even give me 30 seconds here. Like, our friendship will end. Will it? It's too much, please. Can we just keep things in the safe zone? That's good to know. I will remember that.
0: Okay, so thanks for sharing that really interesting information. And now we're going to dive in, right? Um, This episode is all about mental wellness. Uh, Mm. You are a mental wellness expert. You are our Mm. first expert. And Mm. I love that because, and I love that we're starting with this particular topic because it is so relevant for the times. If you think about how hard we're working now more than ever, like we've increased the amount of hours that we're working. Companies Mm. love it because remote work has made quote-unquote, workers more productive. Mm -hmm. But it's not more productive. We're working longer. I don't see productivity as how many hours of labor you're putting Mm. in. That's just how it's measured by economists. But productivity is how much do you do with the time you put in. Mm. I don't think we're necessarily doing more with the time that we put in. We're just working more. Mm. Which means people are burning out at alarming rates. I'm Mm. coaching so many clients. I have companies that are coming to me, asking me to support them with their, um, their people right managing burnout but the problem with burnout is that there's so much that drives it that Mm -hmm. isn't just workload Mm -hmm. and one of the aspects of burnout that actually the formal research doesn't look into but that comes up time and time again when i'm speaking to people is the pressure of performing and the pressure of being uh good at one's job and the anxiety that can come when you don't feel like you're able to bring your best to work and the aspect that we're that I'd love us to explore today yeah. is the pressure that I've experienced in my career and that I've seen some of my clients facing around inauthenticity and how not being yourself at work mm. creates a mental health issue for yourself mm-hmm. because the stress it puts on your body, on your nervous system, on your psyche to be someone you're not constantly actually blocks you from the energy that would be available for you to creatively think, problem solve, lead, guide, coach, all of the things we have to be able to do as leaders because all of those things actually require vulnerability. If you can't be yourself, you can't be vulnerable. If you can't be vulnerable, you can't actually bring these great gifts and you can't create the environments in which people can take risks. People can try and make mistakes. People can ask for help and you can help them. You can say when you don't know. You can say where your limits are. Right? Yeah. And so I I think the permission to be self, the permission to be whole in who you are at work is the beginning of all of this. Mm. And when we can't do that, I think there's something that fractures in us (laughs) internally. Yeah. I
1: would I would even take it a step um before that and say uh Mm. the awareness of the fact that you are not being authentic would be the first You know, Mm. place to be because I think with any sort of affliction or problem whatever if you're not aware that it exists then there's absolutely no way that you can even start thinking about fixing it or thinking of how it it affects you or how you show up so the awareness of the fact that you are not being authentic is so important and it's something that I'm going to talk about later when I talk about how it is you can you know meet yourself better but I agree with you there's absolutely no way that you can possibly lead a flock and i'm going to refer to um the people that the leader leads as the flock throughout just for for ease of um, language there's absolutely no way that you can lead your flock um inauthentic as an inauthentic person the reason being and what i honestly i was thinking about this last night is that people can see you People can see you, do you know that? Yeah. How many times are you in a room and you can see that someone is basically, they're in a circus, they're juggling balls and they're on this tightrope, and you're like, that's not who they are. Mm. You can see that they're pretending, they've put on um, a mask. And I actually, in, in, um, in authenticity for me, I would use the analogy of putting on a mask and you're operating with this mask and you and people can see that behind that mask there's somebody else. So you can't possibly lead people effectively when they can see that that is not your true self, and they see it in so many ways. In that, you don't unlock the potential that you should be unlocking. Um, that would that you the potential that you derive from knowing your authentic self, being yourself. You don't unlock that because you're actually just um, you're acting.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about it in the shower today because that's where I do a lot of thinking Same. to set up for yeah, my day, right? Yeah, yeah. I also, th- I'm a Piscean. I may have made that up. I don't know if I'm supposed to say I'm a Pisces, anyway. I know, I was like, Piscean, a- ooh. I mean, it also sounds sexy. <laughs> yeah, and also
1: we're having an session, so automatically I was like, Piscean must be a word. <laughs> Anything that's said here gets a stamp of approval. Right, but also I have the unique gift of
0: saying things with authority. (laughs) Oh, oh, you're telling me. That I might
1: be making up.
0: (laughs) Either way, it doesn't matter because you all understand what I'm saying. So like as a Piscean, I also love water and I found that being close to water, also being very hydrated, etc. really helps ideas flow. Anyway, I digress. When I was in the shower thinking about our podcast today, I was the thing that came to mind was it felt like having two work streams so when i was a management consultant um, as a engagement manager so every project would be broken down into different work streams for different questions we're trying to answer for a client and you have let's say four work streams and then we structure our team around work streams so we bring on a temporary project team and then i have one associate who's working on this work stream, one business analyst who's working on that work stream, one expert who's coming and driving this work stream. And when each one does all the work required to answer each of those individual questions, we get the solution for the client. Mm. And I manage each of them as they bring the answer. So I'm driving delivery, but I'm okay. also shaping the insights and the thoughts, making sure that we're on track, making sure what's coming up, what's coming out of this analysis is Answering the problem we're trying to solve, mm. etc. I feel that when we are not leading authentically, like what you're saying, and mm. you see someone's got so many balls juggling, I love that mm. you use that word. It is creating work streams for yourself mm-hmm. on top of the work that you're just supposed to be doing, right? You your work as a leader is one work stream. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Now, if you come to work and you're like, but I now have to be like Byron. (laughs)
1: Yeah.
0: I've added a work stream. But I don't have an associate running that work stream for me. I have to do that
1: work stream. Yeah.
0: And so now, instead of just focusing on leading, driving, insight, coaching, you know, looking at opportunities in the business, deep bottlenecking problems, getting to the root cause of things that aren't working in the business, you know, working with stakeholders, communicating to the board. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Which is a lot of stuff. I've added a work stream which is... (laughs) B. (laughs) Byron. So instead of one work stream, I now have two work streams. And each is very hard. Each takes a lot of attention and energy and like focus. Because now, when I show up with an answer, before I give an answer, I have to ask myself, How would Byron say it? Am I saying it with confidence? Am I saying it with my chest? Am I taking up space? Am I doing and I mean I think it's very important to like let ourselves embody ourselves. And sometimes we have to be deliberately thoughtful about it before it becomes instinctual, Mm. right? When we're still learning the skill of opening up and taking up space. But when we're actively trying to be someone different, the stress on our mind. It's
1: it's exhausting. Yeah, Honestly, it is. I, I, for a very long time, was that person who was trying to be a Byron or whatever because I didn't know who I was for for a while. I was lost. And, you know, earlier on we spoke about, um, you know, dimming certain parts of yourself. But in dimming those parts, it's quite possible, like I did, Mm -hmm. you grab onto what other people do what they what, what they're like. So you're acting but you're also acting as the Byron. Sorry, if there's anyone out there called Byron. So there is but someone just... that I know called Byron and I remember
0: Oh my god <laughs> I brought him up because he is blessed Byron. He's actually like a really nice guy, um and very good at his job. But he's white, male. And takes up, a, he's a big guy. So he takes her space. Uh, Very smart. I mean, I'm also smart. But he was this archetype
1: yeah. of what it felt
0: like. Like, you know, you Americans say a Chad. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, Chad just
0: walks into the room and is just like, yeah, bah, bah, yeah. says his insights, grabs the whiteboard marker, goes and yes. writes on the board, And you're like, okay, okay yeah. that's a lot of, you know, yeah. allotting. Like, yeah. you're doing a lot right now. And I wished that I could be like that because I was censoring myself a lot. So, Byron, bless your soul. It is the most positive reason (laughs) that you're the name that came up, right? So, go on. Sorry, I jumped in there to like... So,
1: I actually wanted to give... It's a very simple analogy um, is that I enjoy cooking. Mm. And when I cook in my kitchen... tend you've seen this. Mm. I am like the flair that I have. I just know... First of all, I know where everything is because it is my kitchen but I, I've got my specific spices, I've got the pots that I know work for this and that, and I will cook up a feast, and I, the one thing I'm known for is cooking. Yeah. And then, Tenj, if you were to invite me to your house, which you have, but I've never cooked here, if I cooked in your place, you would see a very, very different person, almost inauthentic. Yeah. The reason is, I'm trying to cook in a kitchen, and this, I think this analogy should be taken very much on surface level. It's good, though. Yeah, so I'm trying to cook in a kitchen that isn't mine. I'm using spices that I wouldn't necessarily use. I don't even know the pots. They're great pots, but honestly, I know that I can't cook pup in that pot that has, you know, whatever. Like Okay, I digress. But what I'm trying to basically say is that I feel like being inauthentic, especially in a a corporate um, environment, in the context of work, is you trying to fit into... Shoes that are not yours. That is not my kitchen. And I will not do my best in that kitchen. I might give you a meal that is decent and it's great. But trust me, what I would have given you in my kitchen would be so different. Because that's authentically, that's my space. That is where I thrive. That's how I see this whole thing. Like I used, the, you know, the example of a mask. But it's, it's literally like you, you're living, you're not living in your purpose. You're not living in in your, you know, your self I'll give you another analogy. Yeah. Sorry, just okay, I kind really of love analogies. Um, I've got a two-year-old. That child is authentically who she is, and I believe children. All things held constant, con, um, constant. There's children that are born into trauma and into environments that are just that don't bring out the you know the innocence of a child. But a child that is brought up with the with the right amount of love, the right amount of food, and all of that they will be authentically who they are if they're a loud kid they will run around and be loud kids that are called naughty because they explore it's because they are genuinely that's their self and i believe that when we are born in fact it's scientific when you're born you're pretty much a blank canvas yeah there's influences from when you are in your mother's belly and all of that But you are a sponge, and you're absorbing and getting all of this stuff. Before you get to the point where the world and your experiences and everything has tarnished that sponge, you're authentically who you are. I think being inauthentic is moving away from that person who you were when you came on earth. Because as much as you're a sponge, you you are born with a specific set of traits and your personality. There's absolutely no way. So I spoke about my two-year-old versus my eight-year-old. My 8 year old was born this child that was just, she would sit there and look like a dolly all day. She was compliant and she would just, she just wanted to be held. The other one is she is just herself. She will run around and scream and be. And I always pray that that authentic self never goes away because that authentic- authenticism that you have as an innocent child is what you need to carry through your life, building on everything your experience and this and that. But you need to authentically be who you are.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So either then, what happens, right? So, you're a mental wellness expert. Yes. You have researched a lot of mental mm-hmm. health issues, what causes them, etc. Mm-hmm. And um, in your expert opinion, yeah. or, or what you know from the research. Mm-hmm or your experience Mm -hmm. working in this space, what are the things that pull us back from Mm. who we are? Mm. That's the first question. And then the second question will be, and how does it, what does it do to our minds?
1: And our psyches? Yeah. Okay, so I really like the fact that you call me an expert. I love it. I absolutely love it because... A big part of the work that I do is based on press. I'm a lived experience expert. Mm-hmm. So that brings a lot of, you know, it brings a lot of realness and relatableness to, relatableness? Relatability. Relatability, thank you. Yeah. Relatability to, to what I do, in that I can draw on my own experience um, in terms of what I did wrong, uh, mm-hmm. or, you know, the, the influences that my life experiences had on who I was so i i like that i really do and i i am an expert on on living it so i'll speak from from what it is that i experienced i was thinking of two main reasons why i was inauthentic and i think a lot of people can probably draw from this one is based on like what i said about dimming my light your own experiences as a kid you know your your people are like mm, you're so loud or ah, why are you Always ABCD or mm, you know how she is, she does this, this, is that, insert whatever it is it means for you. And I think for a very long time, I looked around at my siblings who are more calm and uh, more reserved. And I just looked around and I thought to myself, oh, okay, there's something, I, you know, let me also follow suit. Coupled with the fact that I also, out of all of them, my mental disposition was that of a depressive person. Um, I have I live with depression and anxiety. That's just something mm-hmm. to mention. Um, but as a kid, it wasn't put into words, it wasn't diagnosed, it wasn't really said, but it was known I was moody and aloof. So all of that made me hide myself. I hid my pain. I cried for many years in my youth by myself because I had this pain in my heart that no one really understood. I felt things so much deeply than everybody around me. I just, I hid. And so in hiding from a major condition that I had and hiding my personality, I just somehow learned to put on a mask in order to be okay during the day. And when I did come out of the depression closet, and by that I mean, I I went on a podcast that my sister and I hosted, and I basically said that I live with depression. I take medication when I need to. I see a therapist all the time because I can't live without it. A lot of people were like, what? They couldn't reconcile, and a lot of people who actually are close, even like relatives who I hid from, they could not reconcile the person who came out and said that she lived with depression with the person that they knew. Why? Because I created this person. Mm-hmm. And I, as a coping mechanism, some of the stuff that I did do was subconscious, you know, because our psyche will do things to protect us and all of that. So I'll say that is one reason. Our experiences and what we go through, especially at a very young age, we, we find ourselves maybe taking on other people's personas that are stronger around us or we start hiding. The other side, which I think is the more strategic side, is you're inauthentic because you realize the environment that you're operating in requires you to be a certain person or you think it requires you to be a certain person, right? So um, I'll speak for myself. I studied, um, you know what I studied, but I was I studied business science at UCT, and why did I do finance? And UCT is University. Oh, of Cape University Town. of Cape Town. Yes. Um. Why did I study finance? Because I thought that's what would bring me money. Of which, yeah, but it just did not resonate with me. You know that is definitely something to study if your if your goal is to be financially well, because yeah, whatever. And my mom was there with me and she was like this is what you're going to study because then you will do well and you will suffer if you don't have money and i studied that if anybody knows me guys my brain is so creative so artsy so out there (laughs) like honestly i do not fit into like the corporate sit by a desk you know trade or crunch numbers or equities and all of that like that killed me even doing the degree for me was just it was so difficult. Fortunately, I did a double major in marketing and finance, so the marketing spoke to who I was. I left university and I went and I started working um, within advertising and events and trade shows, which used the marketing side. And that was cool, but I was still not authentically myself. In those spaces, I felt I had to be. You spoke about um, Byron's personality and how it just worked for that environment. I would meet people in an advertising space where we're brainstorming and I'm not naturally someone who will sit there and be like, yeah, and then there's a car and it comes through and whatever. I need to introspect and really think about what it is we are doing and let my creative juices flow. I'm not boisterous in that whole, like I bring my ego and, and a lot of people, especially the males in the advertising industry are very much like that. And so I found myself trying to do that and I wasn't good at it, but, and it broke me. Fast forward, and just to remind the listeners that what I'm talking about now is when you strategically choose to be inauthentic because of your career path or whatever the goal is. Mm. I then, a series of events took place in my life that forced me to look at myself in the mirror. And literally and, and metaphorically look at myself in the mirror. And as I started walking in my path you know, in, in the path of being authentic and being myself and meeting myself, mm. I that's when I realized that, oh my word, I actually made a decision to be inauthentic. Because I thought that if I was authentically myself, I wouldn't be received in the way that um I thought I needed to be received. Yeah. I don't I remember your second question, but I am Don't worry about there. it. <laughs> don't worry about it. Um
0: when you say meeting yourself I like that word, or that phrase. What does meeting yourself mean to you? What mm-hmm. is what wasn't happening before that is the precursor for meeting yourself? Cuz mm-hmm. that word almost speaks to a you did you hadn't met you
1: Mm-mm, before. I hadn't.
0: So what is meeting yourself?
1: You know, I'll give you an example of how meeting myself felt before I explain I, it's almost like I woke up. I I didn't just wake up one day, but at Mm. some point I started realizing that I felt so different in my skin. This is after I had met myself. And I couldn't believe it. I kept saying to people, I can't believe that this is my life, that I can make choices based on what I love. I can do work that resonates with me. I can wake up in the morning and be like, yay. Yeah, I'm struggling to get out of bed because it's cold, but it's not because I hate my life. It's not because I hate my work. I am happy in who I am. I feel like my relationships are solid. I've actively made a decision to, to only be with people who you know speak to my soul. What I do, all the activities that I do, like whether it's golf or hiking, that stuff that speaks to me, you know? So meeting myself, what happened when I met myself is I then felt like, I felt like me. It's <laughs> so hard to put into words and I wish I wish the listeners could see oh what gosh. I'm... You're lighting, lighting up. Yes. Oh my God, your whole
0: face <laughs> is glowing. I'm
1: so happy when I talk about this because for 35, I would say 35 solid years, maybe, no, honestly, 35, I'm turning 40 this year. Five years is when this whole change started happening. Well, it had started happening, but fundamentally where I was honestly like, I need to grab the reins. For 35 years, I lived without knowing Ida. I was living... This fake life of pretending that I was okay. And a lot of it stemmed from the depression or perhaps the depression stemmed from that. I don't know which one it was. But when I came out and said, you know what, guys, I have depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. So much of it just fell off. And then I went through um, something that I haven't really spoken about in public, but it's, it's, it's not a secret, is that I went through a dark night of the soul. And for listeners who don't know about the dark, if you could see Tengi right now, it's like. <laughs> I'm, I'm like
0: being quiet to give Ida the space to speak, but I am feeling. Really, I went through a dark night of the soul <gasps> in December, December 2022, like yesterday. Yeah.
1: It was heartbreak. It's horrible. Yeah. So tell me the about absolute. your Absolutely. So if, oh if you don't God. know what the dark night of the soul is, you need to just quickly Google. You'll find something there. I don't think we have time to go through it because it's a lot. But I was about to get divorced from my dear husband, who now I'm happy with and our family is solid, but it was literally, it was it was done, right? And it forced me, getting to the point of saying this relationship is done, forced me to look at myself and see what was important to me. I was drowning in this marriage and this relationship and actually, not only that, my whole life had gotten to the point where I couldn't live this inauthentic um the way I was living, the inauthentic way of living. And I think if I'm, I'm quite spiritual in that, I, you know, my beliefs, I might not be religious, but I believe that the universe conspired, my angels and guides all conspired and they're like, this chick, she needs to wake up. And everything, nothing was working in my life. Mm-hmm. And I was going through the dark night of soul. You go through depression, you go through such a hard time. It's almost like everyone has abandoned you. You're all by yourself. And I'm now about to get divorced, and I'm thinking of the kids, and I'm thinking of how much I love this man, and he's such a good friend, but it's not working. And then I'm thinking of my career, and I'm thinking of how am I going to do this? How am I going to do that? And I was forced to look at myself in the mirror. So that was the first part of my meeting myself. And I was reading a book, um, the lady that was trying to, the lady that helped save uh, my husband and I's marriage. She, Simone is amazing. She introduced me to Louise Hayes' book, You Can Heal Your Life. And a lot of self-help books or those types of books can be quite corny in, in the approaches that they take. And so when I, when she, there's a chapter where she asks you to look in the mirror and actually do it daily and have, you know, a series of affirmations. The ones around loving myself and accepting myself really resonated. Initially, it was just weird. But I tell you now, the affirmations that I do with my kids in the mirror are so powerful. And with myself and not always in the mirror but that's where it started literally saying to myself all the limiting beliefs that i had about myself of what i could and couldn't do or in terms of who i was mm-hmm. accepting that Ida, this is who you are yeah you're loud and you're boisterous and you actually have a big personality but it's beautiful you know all the way to like little things within the trauma that i'd experienced or the pain that i experienced actually saying to myself and interrogating and saying but girl, why are you like this? Mm-hmm. Going through pain, dealing with like my therapist, her talking me through all the different parts of me that had influenced me getting to the point where I wasn't living my truth. Mm-hmm. And so that dark period then got me on a, on a journey of really, I literally made the decision that I'm going on a journey of healing mm-hmm. and I'm going on a journey of a selfish journey. It's about me now. I bought books, I started reading, I'd go on YouTube, I, I had two therapists, the life coach, and um uh I wouldn't write call her. she's just amazing. You know? <laughs> she is. She's Your amazing therapist. And I just went on this thing where mm-hmm. I, I said to myself, this is about me. I need to save myself. I'm not just saving my marriage, I'm saving Ida. Ida, where are you? And it was almost like at that point, it's it's it was it was an opportunity for me to to say. This has not worked for for 35 years, 36 years. We have got to change things, girl. You have a lot of work to do. And so that's when I went on this journey of the various things that I've explained in trying to actually heal myself, cuz the work of of the work of finding your authentic self is your work and no one else's. You have to make the decision to do no one's coming to save you.
0: No one's coming.
1: Ah, I thought they were coming to save me.
0: Guys, and you know, they didn't come where your parents are living their lives. Like your parents are done with you. They're trying to save
1: themselves. (laughs) Exactly. No one's coming to save you. Yeah. And that was a hard realization for me because even as I was going through the divorce, almost going through the divorce, I looked around and I realized that I, I used people as crutches and I used I had to meet myself and be like, you have the power within you to fix this, to fix yourself, and to grow up, and take the reins. You have the power within you. Yeah. No one's coming to save you. Is one thing that stuck with me. Yeah. Throughout the time. Oh my God. And so I had to find a way to save myself from the way that I was living in every aspect of my life.
0: Can we pause for a moment? What you just said. I had to find the power to save myself yes from the way I was living oh my gosh that's the right. the power to save yourself from the, the way you're living. living I've never heard anyone frame it that way because what happens when we are living these inauthentic lives is that we feel like victims because oh the world is making me change right and then it takes a long time to realize no i'm deciding i'm letting the world tell me i need to change and so i'm agreeing with the world that i need to change so i'm changing me right and i am the one who is making myself live this way because guess who can't come into my life and make me someone my sister yeah She can't come and like sit on me in my bed and say, tomorrow you will do ABC. She's out there doing her own thing. I'm the one who lies in bed and looks at how my sister reacted to something I said. And then wake up and and then I wake up and I say, I will not say that kind of thing again. Right. I make that choice because it is more important for me, for my sister Mm. to feel a certain way about me Mm -hmm. than Mm -hmm. it is for me to feel a certain way about me. Thank you. Right. And so I just wanted
1: to, oh my goodness. Oh, I love that, that. So basically, sorry, can I just interject? Are you saying it's easier to cater to the outside, to the outward experience than it is to look inward and be like, how has the situation affected me and how can I take ownership for the way that I'm living? 100%, it's about taking ownership.
0: And I think something else is about like, who's your client? Like, Mm -hmm. when we live our lives, I think we often live our lives like we're serving a client. And... This is what we do as leaders. What we do in our jobs uh, when we're trying to deliver. Sometimes we even turn our bosses into our clients. Sometimes we turn mm-hmm. our um, stakeholders that we're delivering things mm-hmm. to into our clients. Like okay, you tell me what you want, and the client is always right, and I will do whatever it takes to mm-hmm. please and and like please the client, right? And so, so the, your client can be anyone. Your client in can your be life. anyone in your life, and so I think that we do that in our own lives where we make people in our lives our clients, and we especially if you're a highly sensitive person or like very empathetic you will read you're very good at reading people's reactions so they may mm-hmm. not even be verbally telling you mm-hmm. what they want as as a client but you're reading and you're saying oh the facial expression changed something when i said that thing mm-hmm. there was a hey, my client doesn't like this so next time i'm going to change mm-hmm. that because you've decided that this person is your client mm-hmm. the big work i think is in making ourselves our clients
1: mm-hmm. But it's
0: very hard to make ourselves our clients (laughs) because what you're then doing when you go home is you realize that, oh my gosh, all the clients have gone home and I'm still here. So are they my clients? So who is actually my client? And I think for people who end up struggling with suicidality is there is a moment where I think sometimes we struggle to articulate it, where we start understanding that we can no longer serve what we have made our clients like the, the people and the things that we have turned into our clients. Yeah. And often I think that there's a call from within. And I'm not saying all suicidality is linked to this, so just for everyone to yeah. know. Yeah. um, There is something within us that is saying, but how about me? <laughs> and why is Ida more important to please than mm. me? And we do have parts in ourselves that then come up and they can challenge us and say, okay yeah <laughs> right like you're abandoning me yeah in service of the client aren't
1: i also a client Yeah. don't i also matter you know i like the way you, you put that sorry i lost my train of thought but what i wanted to say is that for a long time in my life it's funny you bring up how do, what, 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 what are you saying you saw sideality.
0: Yeah, I said suicidality because that's how therapists talk about okay, it, but so I don't identity. like that
1: word, but anyway, <laughs> okay. it's we'll, the official word. We'll use it as the official word. Yeah. Um, something that I must mention on this podcast is in my journey of, of wellness and getting to the point of actually being a wellness coach and a consultant and all of this is that I have struggled with the anxiety and the depression, but the depression then brought on the suicidality. And at different points in my life, I have felt suicidal Um, and suicide exists on a spectrum so you find someone who tells suicidal and they have the knife and they actually almost cut and then you have people who are just thinking about it or constantly thinking that they can't live and they don't want to be alive it all falls under under it and the sad thing about suicide um just as an fyi is that you never really know where someone is and where their threshold is on this whole range of of it So you can be thinking about it today and gone tomorrow, or you could think about it for 10 years and then only gone after 10 years, or maybe you never do it. But a big part of me running away from myself, um, not accepting who I am, not loving myself was also a very big part. All of that led to me often feeling suicidal. Mm -hmm. And ever since I've met myself, the periods of me feeling that way have drastically decreased there has got to be a relationship yeah. are you telling me it's magic no i'm a whole grown woman yeah there must be something there which you know if we could get a neuroscientist or somebody who could even just explain the way our brains work and all of that but i know for a fact that the link between um living authentically and living as your true self and your mental health it's like it's 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 a direct relationship yeah. you're living inauthentically your wellness will definitely suffer and it will show. And I actually wanted to say, Tenj, you did ask. That was the second question. How does living inauthentically affect you physically? Can I just answer to that now? Yeah,
0: on whatever dimensions you want to talk about, whether it's physically, mentally, emotionally. We've talked a bit emotionally, mm. but yes, please
1: share. Okay, so first of all, being authentic in inauthentic affects your perception of self. So you can fool everybody else, but you can't fool yourself. That is the saddest thing ever, or maybe the greatest thing in that when you put your head down on your pillow, you are with yourself. And like you said, your clients are gone, but you are still there. And as much as you can put on this dance, I think people can probably be inauthentic for the rest of their lives and just suffer the, the lack of wellness and all of that. But you will never be, be able to run away from the fact that you are not living within it. So the perception of self and how that then filters into your confidence, into how it is that you show up, the decisions that you make, whether it's for your career, for your life, you're not actually yourself. So and you don't believe in who you are because you're living as somebody else. If you believed in yourself, then you'd be who you are. So how so can you, you don't have, believe in yourself. So how can you have
0: confidence if you don't believe that's in yourself? It, that's so it. like If you're a leader, I mean, ah. I keep bringing this back to leaders because like people will come to my doorstep saying. Um, please help me, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome. Yes, you're an imposter because you yourself don't believe in what you're doing. Because you know you're not coming in as performed. you.
1: You are an imposter. Are I know, an I've an actually same. never said this out loud. <laughs> because I always say
0: to my clients, I'm like, no, you're not no, an imposter. No, you wouldn't say that. Uh,
1: no, no, because no, you're not trying to crush them. No, I'm but not. But we can say but today. But sometimes,
0: real truth, guys, like, mm. are you an imposter? Because I remember for me feeling like I couldn't respect myself because I felt like a chameleon. So I was like, you're actually lying. (laughs) So would you trust you? I don't I don't even trust you. So why should someone else trust you? And people can see that. Yeah, so I'm not gonna say anything with my chest if I already know that I'm a liar. it's deep stuff, guys. This is all deep in the psyche. Yeah.
1: So I, I like what you were well, saying. Well, one go other on, area that I did, because we did, we did speak about um, the career side yeah. of things and I, I guess because of the work that I do, I do tend to go into more of the interpersonal, you know, like your your world, your ecosystem as far as your psychology goes and how it affects it. So I know with my relationships, I can even give an example of Tenj would know this. I could not show up. for I could not show up I would cancel engagements, I would run, I would hide. Why? Because I was pretending to be this person that was well put together, but back at the ranch, I struggle with anxiety quite often. And I would have made an engagement a month ago and I will cancel it an hour before because of anxiety. In that particular situation, and what I've started to do now with you know, my relationships is to actually authentically show up and say, Tench, I can't, I'm in bed, I've got anxiety, I've had a very stressful week, I'm so sorry, but I will not be able to meet with you tomorrow. And also having that time element involved so I manage the person, but it's because I can show up as myself. I'm showing you who I am. Hate it or love it as the person on the receiving end, but I'm doing what I can to show you that my reality is I'm not okay. And that also used to affect big other parts of my life, like showing up for work or showing up for, you know, opportunities that, I knew that I could go for, but I would get this anxiety and then shy away from it. So I think now I'm more willing to put myself out there and just be like, I even tell my family, my kids, know. I will say to them, guys, today I'm feeling very anxious and I'm just feel I've got nausea from my anxiety. I just need us to be kind to each other. My husband knows, people around me know, and that all speaks to just being authentically knowing who I am and what I can and, and cannot handle. Mm-hmm. And then the last one that I wanted to talk about in terms of um, showing up authentically and it, it ties into the wellness and you not living the life that you should be, not living authentically and how it affects your health. My, physiologically, and I'm doing a lot of research on this, how the gut, the gut health, the brain, but generally how it is that a lack of wellness affects your body. I was, it affected my health completely. My stomach, I developed gastritis amongst other things. I had migraines, I had insomnia. All of this is because I wasn't, and I say this because now I'm living in my path, in my, you know, where I should be, and I've, I've met and I am meeting myself. The incidence of all those little things has decreased. Mm. Why? Because I'm much better now. I'm well, I am walking. When I wake up in the morning, like I said, I feel happy that I'm doing the work that I'm doing. The stress that I have associated with my work is stress that I know I need to do, but I enjoy doing that work. So it, it's all filtered into me feeling better, mind, body, soul. Not to say that when you meet yourself, your problems go away, but it's the first step towards you finding your authentic self and therefore opening up this well of wellness, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: I think when you say, um... It's not like your problems go away once you are authentic. It's very true, but what I find is that you're you're better capable of addressing or meeting the yeah, problems that come your 100%. way because you actually have yourself. Yeah. Like the thing that I've noticed is the difference because I've gone on a very similar journey to you. All the things you've mentioned, I've done many. Some of the things on my own healing path, I found that I now actually had me. I didn't realize that I didn't have me. Previously In my life and I remember two years ago or three years ago when I first started working with Simone That's how you found Simone Mm -hmm. because I had worked with her as my life coach anyone who listens to this knows Mm -hmm. that Because I mentioned it in other podcasts Mm -hmm. other episodes. She's brilliant. Yes, and I remember Mm -hmm. at some point in that year I said and it was maybe around March or something and it was a hard time and I was like if I leave this year with nothing else or if I leave this life, that's what I said. If I leave this life with nothing else, I must leave with myself. Because mm. I could finally recognize and see that I didn't have myself. Mm. Because when you're trying to be someone else, you're leaving yourself on mm. on a um, thrift pile for someone else to have. But no one else wants you because everyone is trying to be their own version exactly. of themselves. Or they're imitating other people. Or there may be people who are imitating you. Yeah. But they can't be you. Right. So then now yeah. that self is left abandoned. Yeah. So you don't have you. If you don't have you, you don't have your inner resources yeah. to actually face life, to address challenges, yeah. to even take risks, to to um compellingly inspire people around a vision that you align with because it's also a vision you share. Mm-hmm. You're not in it. Because you're you're at home on the thrift pile <laughs> that no one's picking yeah. up. Right? So what I wanna ask you, Ida, yeah. is um you've talked about how it impacted your personal life and for someone listening, right, who is resonating, right, and the thing about this particular episode is that we're talking a lot about personal, personal things because the journey of authentic leadership begins in your personhood and your personhood is in everything that's away from work. Right? So even the examples you've shared, the things I brought you here, it's all things that are, let's say, not in the workspace. Now, I want to ask you, like for someone who is a leader, who is feeling resonance with what you've shared, you've shared aspects of your journey and what you've done right, to support yourself. You also, in your wellness work, you're a wellness coach, right? Um, how can you help someone who might be listening to go on this journey themselves? Um, Mm. what you've given some tips from your own path, Mm -hmm. right? How would you support someone if they were to reach out and work with you or, or like reach out for support with their mental health or with their mental wellness, what would you do? Where would you start?
1: Okay, great. So I think it goes back to what I mentioned right at the beginning, which is the awareness and how important it is for you to be aware that what you've been doing is not working. Um, it's just it's not serving you and it's not serving your career it's not serving the people that your flock etc that awareness if anyone it resonates with anyone right now step one you've already ticked you're aware of the fact that you're not where you should be after that awareness i think there's a lot of introspection and time that the individual needs to spend with themselves in whatever way that they do so to quieten down the noise because we live in a world of noise and fast fast and you know get up go to work do this Find some time in your own way to write down, or if if you're not a writer, whatever it is that allows you to go inward, Mm -hmm. and perhaps make a list of what is not working. Where are you not okay? What's happening? You do the work on your own and start asking yourself questions about that. Why just so that you're Mm self-aware. And then I would say, uh, enlist the help of somebody who knows. So you mentioned now I'm a wellness coach um if i can't help you definitely i would then find the right person for you life coaches such as yourself, career coaches um therapists anyone who can get you to unscramble your brain because we do a lot of um ruminating right where you're just sitting there and all your thoughts are all over you need someone who can help you just open up and see where you are um so i would definitely recommend in fact top recommendation is that you get somebody who can help you to just sit down and let's start talking about it because the journey of meeting yourself is long it's not i and i've said it in today's session and that i'm still meeting myself mm-hmm. and i imagine when i look at my dad in his 70s i don't know if he's doing any healing work but i'm sure he's still meeting parts of himself mm-hmm. so you need to make the first steps in moving in that direction i also believe in Research, and probably a lot of the people who listen to your podcast, Tenge, are people who are well-versed in, like, researching and looking for more answers, right? Mm -hmm. Just by virtue of the fact that they are at that point in their life where they're looking to to boost or improve their leadership and their careers and all of that. Research. Mm -hmm. Like, there's a lot out there on um, self-awareness, on um, being authentic. Start asking the questions, start putting it out there because I believe in what you put out there, the more you start engaging with the fact that you realize that you are not being authentic, the more you'll start questioning and the more information that will start coming at you, not magically, but information that you possibly haven't engaged with because you've been so unaware. So start listening to podcasts, start reading up on. start researching and start talking to like-minded individuals because having a community of people around you who are also going on a journey of self-awareness and finding themselves is important. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of people who are willing to carry on life just living, being numb, being robotic. Mm-hmm. The people that are around you will definitely help you get there. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I think those are the tips that I would give, and I'm actually very open to discussions around this in terms of, um, I'll give my details later and you, you'll provide them. But let's start the conversation. Let's let's get it going. Let's if it's if I'm not the right person for you, if ten isn't the right person for you. The right person for you is out there who can help you unlock unlock your mind. There's different types of coaches. There's different types of, you know, professionals within psychology. There's mm-hmm. there's individuals out there who have lived experience even. Mm-hmm. So start, just start. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Like just start. Hundred percent. And
0: so Ida, um, knowing I know aspects of your um offering your coaching offering from what you've just said i think we're both like we love the science we love the research we're gonna go read all the books absolutely and not everyone's always gonna go read all the books so what i'm thinking when i'm hearing you speak is that for someone who wants to go on a path like this and just doesn't know where to begin i think give me a call give Ida a call thank you right and in the conversation talk about what's coming up now Ida can come to you from the lens of wellness and well-being. Wellness is about mental, physical, emotional, psychological Mm -hmm. well-being. Because there are aspects of psychological being that a non-therapist can support you with, Mm -hmm. right? What I like about Ida in particular, you guys know what I do. But what Ida can do is help you to see how is your life currently set up in a way that is either supporting you to be Mm -hmm. who you are, supporting you to bring your best to the table, or not, right? are you a person who actually benefits from exercising and maybe mm-hmm. needs it to be able to flow fully in your creativity? What is a, the type of exercise you could do that yeah. could work with your busy schedule yeah. and what your body's like? Mm-hmm. All right. What do you need for your mental well-being mm-hmm. or, or let's say relational well-being? Do you need time with your family? Do you mm-hmm. need time by yourself? Do right. you need time with your kids? Do you need time with dogs? what do you need to like support that aspect? Absolutely. So she has a framework she can use that can like break down mm-hmm. these different areas of your life. It is specific then, to the individual and their context. Exactly. Yeah. And then you can come up with at least a space in which, because sometimes it's a bit overwhelming, to go deep into the therapy piece and go deep into the life coaching piece because it's just a whole lot of stuff and we're not ready for that work. But we may be ready for, Mm -hmm. let's just bring optimization into life for where we are right now. Right. And in a space where we are more rested, we do have more flow, we have more exercise in our lives, we are moving better, it will open up the space to go deeper Mm -hmm. and to do more. So Mm -hmm. this could be a great starting point as well. Absolutely. And...
1: I'm open can to people even reach out to you for coaching for and i think that maybe also to just say that um not every coach is for everybody like you have to find your fit i'm very open to and i do this often is let's have a conversation yeah first and foremost and see if we're pretty much on the same page if we could maybe do a few sessions and see you know but let's just talk so find mm-hmm. me on whatever platform there's different platforms where you can find me Can you tell people? Yes, yes, yes. I can definitely do that. For each platform,
0: what is your handle, or which platform should they reach out to you on?
1: So I'm on Instagram a lot, just because I like to post videos um, on the go. So and so you can DM me at mental underscore wealth underscore with underscore Ida. Perfect. I'll (laughs) link that. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. And then um, also email is great for me. Um, It's I D A at mentalwealth.co.za. Um, I will then give you my phone number from there and we can talk on the phone. And then also LinkedIn. Um you can contact me on LinkedIn as well. It's just um I D A H A C H I U M E, which is my first name and my last name. Um you'll find me on LinkedIn. Awesome. Yeah, so I'm quite I'm open to conversations, discussions. In fact, Tenj knows that I like talking a lot. So contact me. Let's see where you are. Um, contact me or Tenj, actually. Yeah. Perfect. So um
0: I, because you're my expert today, I want you guys to contact Ida and um, reach out to her. She's fabulous. You've gotten a a taste of her personality. You can see she brings the lens of both personal experience, so it's highly relatable, Mm -hmm. as well as, you know, you heard in her bio before this episode that she is actually studying Mm -hmm. this work so she brings a lot of also technical expertise we didn't talk about the content expertise here because it was more about the personal story but you're in really safe hands so reach out to ida i will include all the information she just shared in the show notes of the episode and um let me know if there is any lingering questions that you have we could do a follow-up with ida if you found her very valuable right so drop me a note that's where you can drop me a note um you can either reply to the QA on Spotify. If you scroll down to the bottom of the episode, you'll see a QA there where you can ask Ida a question. And if you have questions, put it there, or you can DM me directly if you're not on Spotify. Uh secondly, I really hope that this podcast has been valuable. This episode, I always call every episode a podcast, but <laughs> That this episode has been very valuable for you. I want us to create ongoing conversation about these topics because they really matter. As leaders we lead with ourselves, we bring our hearts to work, we bring our trauma to work, we bring our whole life stories to work and if we are running away from these aspects of ourselves or trying to power through them or you know thinking something's wrong with us because we don't seem to have it all together and other people do this is the purpose of this conversation so that you know you're not alone and so that you know that there's a space where you can start, you know, looking at yourself and going within and helping yourself to feel safe with yourself and to feel safe being yourself at work. So I hope that this podcast has blessed you. Ida, thank you so much thank for coming so much. and being here. Thank you. All right. Until next time keep leading abundantly thank you for listening to this week's episode i hope it's inspired you to take action that brings you closer to leading as the truest version of your abundant self if you enjoyed this episode please would you consider leaving a five-star rating and following the podcast it really helps other people like you to find me and benefit from this free leadership resource yours in abundance until next time